Welcome to episode 81 of From the Shed End with myself, T-Dot. As always, Theo, how you doing? Not bad, as always. Happy recording this on a Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. Um, slightly nervous that we've got the early kickoff tomorrow, 12.30. We know how that goes with Chelsea. It's kind of make or break with our mood for the rest of the weekend. But I'm not going to think about that until tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to look forward to Friday, Friday afternoon and Friday evening tonight. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, um, usual, like you, you know, Friday, um, some downtime next week. I'm, I'm not in work till Thursday, so... It's always a bonus, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the game, like you are. Um, yeah, I'm not sure which Chelsea, Chelsea's going to turn up, so I'm sure we'll get into that when we do our predicted lineups and all the rest of it. But if you are new to the channel, please go and subscribe to it and make sure that you smash the like button as well. And also, if you check the link tree link in the description, it'll take you to all our social accounts as well. You'll be able to see all the previous episodes on there as well, so make sure you do that um, before you leave this video as well. But... I want to start differently today. Let's talk about the frustration as Chelsea fans. If you're trying to get tickets, you will feel the pain that I felt this morning. I'm sure Theo felt previously, although he was successful today, but the virtual waiting room for Chelsea, the ticketing system. If Todd Bowley ever listens to this podcast, please, please do something about it because it's not good for Chelsea fans. It's not good for my sanity. It's not good for a lot of Chelsea fans. But I wanted to talk about the, the, the virtual waiting room because I think... We must be one of the only clubs in the Premier League where it's a it's a it's a nightmare to try and get tickets. And I know Liverpool's very similar in terms of um, you know, their membership and their ticketing system. Um and I think even their tickets eventually go to particular places in, in Liverpool with the, the Liverpool postcode. Um so theirs is slightly different. But how can we make our ticketing system better? What what would be the blue sky thinking? What would be what would be the best solution to get the ticket system correct so that it gives people the opportunity to actually get tickets for the games? I think firstly, before even finding a way to correct the system or the way of rewarding loyal kind of people, matchgoers with tickets is to fix the interface of the website. Because in my opinion, right now, it's just so hard to navigate on that website, understand where to go to actually get the tickets, where to enter your details. I think your password is your date of birth or God knows what it is. Um, And um, even to check how many loyalty points you have, if you're the required amount of loyalty points before you're able to get the tickets. Today, for instance, I managed to get a single ticket. I went to put my, I put all my correct bank details in and then it said error processing your payment five or six times in a row. And something's clearly not right of the website itself. I've applied to Chelsea Football Club a few times for job opportunities. And as well, their interface for the application process is terrible. It seems like it's been designed by a 16-year-old or something, and it looks really poor. Um, And then just kind of being able to actually access the tickets, I think... I didn't mind the loyalty point system. I thought that was quite a fair way. If you, the more matches you go to, the more you maybe you deserve to be there. Um, but today, for instance, it was a shambles because we were allowing members to get tickets, season ticket holders to get tickets. And it just felt like it was almost like a big free for all to get tickets and no one was actually going to end up getting one or if you are going to get one it would have been west west view or a single ticket on it's separated from your friends and family um but yeah it just feels like it's always every time there's a morning where tickets are being released i dread it i really really dread it i dread the hassle of being waiting in front of my laptop getting in but then not getting in um, not getting in at all, seeing people on Twitter before me get tickets, whereas, you know, it's only two minutes past 10 o'clock and I've been in the queue for 40 minutes. Mm. Um, it's really frustrating and I missed out on the Leeds game because of this. It just 
but it let me in. And then by the time I got in, uh, there was only 240 pound Westview tickets available. And I did consider it, you know, I was, I was so desperate to go and frustrated that I missed out. I did consider paying a couple hundred quid for a, a West upper ticket, but, um, but no, it's really frustrating. And I feel like you, you were the victim today of a, a shambolic virtual waiting room having missed out as well. So I want to get your thoughts on this. Not even just today. I mean, I've, I've, I've really, I've, I've stopped trying, you know, if I, if I, I'm lucky, I'm lucky, but my expectation is that I'm never going to get a ticket for these games now. And it is frustrating and it needs changing. And obviously it's it's, it's hard to say, oh, it needs changing. And, and, you know, because there's only so many tickets they can sell. And clearly there's a lot more people trying to get tickets for games than the stadium can, can hold, uh, which is understandable. But even just... I don't know. I don't know how it should be. I, I, I haven't got the answers. I'm going to be honest, but I just think in terms of trying to get a ticket, it's so frustrating when you're you're sat like you just said. You know, I go on Twitter sometimes, and you know, one minute past ten, people are with the green tick emoji, you know, I'm I'm in. I'm I've got my ticket, and I'm I've been in this queue since half nine. <laughs> I've been sitting in this queue for half you know for half an hour, and still haven't even got through. Or the worst thing is you get through. And then you've been timed out in terms of your login details. You have to log back in. By the time you log back in, you're back in the queue, which happened to me this morning. And you look down and everything that's available or was available is now gone. And the only thing that is available is West Westview. By the time you get in, Westview sold out. So it's just, it's just, what's the point? I, I don't, honestly, I don't have the answers, but I, I do think it's one area, um, you know, that Chelsea needs to look into 100% because I think, you know, it's not, it's unfair for, for certain fans who generally want to go to game like myself, you know, I just want to go to a game and watch it live as opposed to having to watch it on the TV all the time. But there's also a second question that is this now the time when Chelsea need to start thinking about expanding the, the capacity of the stadium? Because, you know, you look at Anfield, it's been built up now. You look at Old Trafford over the last couple of years, they've been able to build that up and, you know, it's helped with the ticket and, and, and you know, the capacity being extend uh, being extended wider. Um, we could get left behind. I mean, we're only, you know, we're not even over the 50,000 threshold yet in terms of capacity. So I, I think we need to potentially look at that. Um, there's been talks, I think, or murmurs around that we, we're looking to potentially knock down the hotel that's um, sort of adjoined to the, the to the, um, to the stadium, maybe to then build higher up over that. But moving, I think, is the, the question. You know, there was all that, Battersea Power Station stuff that we were going to be doing a couple of years ago. But I think maybe increasing the capacity of, of Stanford Bridge would help. But then also, like you said, the interface is probably more of the issue at the moment that needs to be resolved. But what would you be, I mean, what, what, what would be the likelihood, you know, I think in us moving, you know, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think it's more of a case of building on what we've got at Stanford Bridge. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been an ongoing conversation we've had for the last decade, I felt, the expansion of Stanford Bridge or moving somewhere else, Battersea Power Station. I think there was talks of going around somewhere else, Court as well. Um, and I think if, some, if there's an owner who's going to do it, it's going to be Todd Bowley because he's going to see the commercial value of the club. Yeah. And we've got such a big fan base now abroad, you know, fans that will want to travel to London, see their first Chelsea game, get a ticket, maybe even on the day, if we have a, maybe a 70,000 pound, uh, not pounds of Cita Stadium. Yeah. Um, then um, you know this could maybe match. Um, people can get tickets on a day. Um, but I think the one problem that's stopping us from expanding Stamford Bridge is the planning permission around Fulham and Fulham Broadway, because right now Fulham Broadway is not able to accommodate so many people in that kind of vicinity of the stadium. Mm. And I think they even have the the tube tracks right behind the stadium as well. 
which may cause problems if they were to expand on either side. Um, from, I, mean, I live a stone's throw from Stam- away from Stamford Bridge, and I just know that if we add another 30,000 people coming in and out of the stadium, it's going to be carnage in that area. It really is going to be carnage. You know, small, narrow roads, only one really local tube station. Um, like I said, tube tra- tracks right behind the stadium. I think there's a cemetery which kind of gets people to Earl's Court and back from Earl's Court, but otherwise it's going to be carnage. So I think until we get the planning permission or we get maybe another location, Batsy power station, but we seem to miss out of that now because they built kind of a shopping complex there. Mm. Then I think it's going to be really complicated, but I think if someone's going to want to do it, it's going to be Todd Bowley. Yeah, and he seems to not be shy to flash the cash. So I think he's probably, you know, he's spent spent a lot of money in the first year um, or less than a year than him being the, the, the co-owner of Chelsea. So we'll have to see, but definitely 100% the, the, the ticketing system is one of the worst that I've come across. And I know we're a big club. I know we're in the Premier League. You know, we're in demand. And even when we're not playing well, you can still see that obviously the tickets are like hotcakes so um it is frustrating and i get it you know you know just i would say at least triple the amount of fans that want to go to the game um are, are trying to get these tickets and you know like i said we're not even at fifty thousand capacity is our stadium so something needs to give at the moment just a better infrastructure uh interface in terms of being able to actually get onto a system I don't know how it would work but other clubs seem to be able to do that you know other clubs seem to be able to to get away with you know, even at United, I know, it's, again, they're a bigger stadium, but it's easy to get tickets to go there if you really want to get a ticket for, you know, the, the empty had as well. You know, Man City's empty had is, is is there as well. They're, they don't have any problems at all. Yeah. And it's called a virtual waiting room or virtual waiting queue, whatever they call it. Yeah. But sometimes it's someone who joins in later that gets in before you. And that's not really a, the logic of a queue. Um, I mean, now at times I've logged in on multiple devices. My dad's in the office and he does the same. Being a big Chelsea fan, he logs into four or five devices. And it's often the last device you log into that gets into, into the, when you do get in, it gets in first. And it just yeah. de- defeats the whole logic of a queue. So they definitely need to fa- um, kind of improve that, uh, that interface and the logic of it. Yeah. So Todd Bowley, if you're listening, please fix <laughs> the virtual waiting room. It's frustrating on a Friday. It's not how I want to start my weekends, but let's move on. Let's talk some football. Angolo Kante, still injured, I believe, or back in training, as you posted earlier on this week, but apparently has rejected the latest offer from Chelsea in terms of a two-year deal with the option to extend for a further year. Um, it looks like Angolo Kante is looking for a three-year deal, potentially with the option, again, to extend for another year, which will take it to a total of four years. But what's your views on, on Angolo Kante? Um We've obviously lost Jorginho recently to Arsenal. And I know you've mentioned on here a couple of times about the, the need to keep at least a couple of midfielders whilst we're you know, building on that. But what's your thoughts on N'Golo Kante in a contract situation at the moment? I can get him wanting to stay. I think he's very settled in London and the Premier League. There were talks of him Arsenal wanting to get him, I think in January or the summer when he's a free agent. Um, we know what we get now, N'Golo Kante and his history, his injury record, it's about 16, 17 games a season. That being said, there's 16, 17 games, you're getting an amazing player, an absolutely amazing player. And we've seen that he hasn't played any football since August. And we've been poor since then. And that one game where he was playing in the first half, or at least 60 minutes of it against Tottenham Hotspur, probably the best football we've played all season. Uh, Stanford Bridge back in early August. Um, I personally would give him a contract. I think a two-year contract is sensible. I can get why he's maybe pushing for a three-year contract being, you know, 
early 30s, not sure what his long-term future is going to look like at the club. Um, maybe his last chance to really make it in a big league as well. But it's Angola Conte. It is, you know, and his player that you're going to want in these big Champions League games that are coming up in the next few months. If we do somehow, by a miracle, make it into a European competition next season, we're going to want an Angola Conte. And we also need a bit of a, a leadership figure, an experienced player. We've got a couple of a few young French-speaking players now in the teams, the likes of Wesley Fofana, the likes of um, uh, David Datra Fofana as well. Mm. I think they're going to look up to a player like Angola Conte. So it's really important that I think he stays, especially now that we missed out on Jorginho. There's talks of Kovacic's contracts also stalling. Mm-hmm. So I think um, you know it's be sensible to give Kante a, at least a two-year contract. And if he wants a three-year one, then... I don't know what what will happen, but if we can somehow negotiate and make make sure he's puts pen to paper to a two year one, I think that would be ideal. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. percent I think he's. I mean, my my only worry is the injuries, and I think that that's a given now. I think with Kante, the way that he plays, the the position that he plays on the pitch is he's always going to pick up injuries, um, and he's never. Even going back to his Leicester days, I think he had a couple of big injuries there when he was at Leicester. So I think he's always going to pick him up. He's always going to, we've we've got to run the risk of giving him a new, giving him a new deal with the intention that he's not going to fulfil the whole season. He just he's just not capable of doing that by the looks of it. So um, we still need to bring midfielders in, but I think as you said, you know, he's someone that I think has a, a voice, whether it's on the pitch or. You know, just being a, his presence around the, the team, I think, is something that's going to be crucial for the next couple of seasons. You know, when we're bringing in some so many youngsters that we spoke about on here before, I think he's one of those players that will have a massive, massive impact on them um, going forward. So I think it'd be it'd be crazy to lose him on a free as well. Um, someone said to me last weekend, you know, thirty percent Angola Kante is better than some of the midfielders that we've been starting ahead of him. So. When you put it like that, it's it's a no-brainer to offer him a deal. I, I just don't know whether he's going to get the deal that he wants, which, again, you look at Jorginho, was the reason why he's moved on to Arsenal. Um, but like you said, you know, Kante seems settled in, in you know, his lifestyle in and around Chelsea as well. Um, it'd be crazy to lose him. It really would, and, and um, I think it'd be resolved. I think I think we'll get we'll get it resolved. I think one of the two we're going to leave in terms of Kante and Jorginho. And now that Jorginho has moved on, I don't think Todd Bowley, Chelsea can, or Graham Park can allow another player of that sort of level to leave the club in such a short succession of time. So I think he stays. I think he'll, he'll get the deal done. Whether we have to give him a free year, then so be it. But I think even, again, very much like Thiago Silva, you know, we shouldn't be playing Silva every game. We really shouldn't. And I think we're going to get to the point of Kante Hopefully when Fernandez settles in, if we bring, you know, someone else in Declan Rice or whoever in the summer, we'll be able to phase Kante in and out of the team uh, and utilise him more so. Uh, I think he, he should be that. We should be looking at Kante almost as a Thiago Silva now that he's not, he's at the back end of his career. He's injury prone, we know that, but we've got to manage his time well. So, yeah, I can see us getting a deal done. I think it'd be, be stupid to let him go for free, in my opinion. But I suppose... The massive question is, is it two years or three years? And I think that's what it all comes down to. Um, personally, if I was Kante, I'd take the two-year two deal and with the option to extend, you, you've still got three years. Um, I don't know how old he is now. Is he 31 to now, 32? I think 31, 32, yeah, around that yeah, age. So, yeah, he's talking 35, you know, it, it, by the time yeah. his deal's done. That's a, I mean, that's that's the time to maybe bow out at the top. You know, winning the Premier League for Chelsea for the final time in your career, maybe the Champions League. Who knows? But I think he's, I think he's definitely got to stay at the club, hundred percent. 
Yeah, and I was reading that Todd was to learn from the mistakes of the, uh, the board last season, um, not selling Rudiger or Christensen or giving them the new contracts. Come, you know, they had six months or a year left on their deals. So I think if we were to sell players, it would be now. I think it would have been now. It would have been in January. I know he was injured, so we couldn't really have sold them. But I think Todd Bowley, the last thing he wants is to afford to let players leave for free. Yeah. Um, and if um, if that's the case, maybe give them a, a two-year contract or even a three-year contract and then maybe get a couple, some money out of them a year or two later down the line. Because um, I do know that I'm sure a, Par- a Paris, you know, we saw them do it with Beckham when they bought Beckham for a year. I think yep. they'd be willing to take Kante for a year or two, even when he's 34, 35. So I don't think we'll be short of suitors for people that would want to take Kante off of us. But for now, I definitely want to keep him. And I yeah. think I, even more so that we haven't yet seen him in action for six months. It's made me miss him a lot and realise what an asset he is to the team as well. Yeah, I'm 100%. 100%. Someone who won't be missed. Sorry to, to put it like that. But, and I called him Patrick about 10 times. Whoever commented on that in the comments, thank you very much. It was He doesn't deserve to be called Pierre, in my opinion. But pa- Patrick Aubameyang. Um, Pierre Aubameyang. Um I was I was going to tell you that at the end of the season that you've been mispronouncing his name. Have I said it? I'm, pods, I'm sure I've said but... it more than once. It wasn't just on that one video. I'm sure I've said it on loads oh, of videos. Yeah. It was uh, since since we signed it. I think since we signed it. Well, will carry on calling him Patrick. Um, but yeah, Aubameyang is. Um, is is looking likely he's he's going to be out of the club very soon heading over to the states for LAFC it's a loan deal i think the the, the problem with this loan deal which doesn't sit right with me again it's not my money so i don't really care too much but chelsea are footing the bill for the wages um which i think is on quite a good wage at chelsea if i remember correctly so it is it's a good deal but it seems like we've wasted our time with with uh, pierre um, it doesn't. It hasn't gone well. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a strange one. I feel like if we were to, you know, cut ties with him, it should be a, an immediate sale, not a not a loan. That being said, I do feel slightly bad for him, in a way that when we did play him throughout that November period, where we were playing appalling football, he wasn't getting the support he, he needed. He was brought on to replace, I think, Sterling in the City game, then bought off, you know, in, in the second half, which is, is so embarrassing as a footballer when that happens. And now that we've got all these fancy new signings, Mudrick, Enzo, um, Jao Felix, um, Madueke, those are players that could arguably offer him a bit of support as the striker he needs. Um, and he is, on, he is our only natural number nine, really. He really is our only natural number nine. For fun as a striker, but he's still very raw and still young. Mm. Kai Havertz hasn't quite done it for me as number nine. So I do kind of want to give him one last chance, maybe in a team, as a as a striker with the new players we have. But um, I think the fact that Potter hasn't included him in the Champions League squad would say otherwise. I know his comments said he still needs to work hard and he's still in my plans for the future. But I think that's just what he has to say as a professional. Mm. But... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on loan to LAFC, um, kind of, you know, MLS clubs. You know, they sue those big ego characters. But uh, but yeah, I do feel slightly bad for how things have turned out for him at Chelsea. But that being said, I don't see that him having a future at Chelsea beyond the end of this season. Um, but yeah, so it is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, not Patrick Aubameyang. I can't um, believe I've been doing yeah, that. No, I think no, one's, no one's brought it up. I'm, I'm surprised. I'll stay quiet. I'll stay quiet because they were very similar and it's a very kind of double-barreled French name. Oh. But yeah. I don't know why I find it funny as well. It's not even that funny, but um, it's... Um, yeah, I think, I mean, when I when I heard that he was definitely going to be going to America, I mean, it would suit him 100%. You know, I think he's... Um, 
you know, those sort of leagues tend to suit players that have come from the Premier League and they go over there and they just hit crazy numbers in terms of goals. And I think he'll do the same over there. I think it will suit him and the lifestyle. I mean, let's, let's not forget, he does like a, he seems to like a flamboyant lifestyle and where else better to do that than LA? You know, I mean, it, it just makes really good sense for him. But I always have to come back to, if we're allowing him to go, We've still got Lukaku on the books. Um, this now convinces me that Lukaku will definitely be coming back to the club next season. Um, like you just said, you know, we're letting a, a striker go. Um, there isn't really anyone that we're linked with that will potentially come in to replace, you know, Abamian. Brozier, he's going to be back next season. But again, we can't expect him to come back and be hitting the ground running after the injury that he sustained. So I, it just... Yeah, I mean, Aubameyang was never going to fit into what Graham Potter's trying to build. He doesn't even fit the profile of the players that we brought in now. But I do agree with you. I think it would have been good to see him play with the likes of Madweki and um, Mudrik and even João Felix. Just give him the opportunity. Sometimes you just need to be around you know, creative players to be able to then do what you've got to do in front of goal. And we haven't really given him that chance to do that. So... It, it is harsh, but I think once Graham Potter's mind was made up after that sub on, sub off, he, he was never going to be given a chance after that. I think that was the, the sort of final nail into everything, you know. So it is harsh for him, but I think he'll go to MLS. He'll, he'll hopefully do well over there. And it's a good place to potentially end your career. I mean, let's be honest, he's, he might get maybe another move out of this, but... Uh, yeah, for me now, nah, this just spells Lukaku coming back. Todd Bowley willing to give Lukaku the chance to come back into the squad. And, you know, like I said on the last podcast, you know, he's an asset to, to the club. So he's not going to want to lose uh, Lukaku for anything less than 90, maybe 80 million and make some money off him if he's going to sell him, which I don't think there's any clubs with any two brain cells in their in their, their heads that will actually go and pay 80 million for Lukaku at the moment. So he looks like he's staying at the club. Yeah, I think the latest that I read is that Inter are willing to take him on loan for a second year, but I think it's at a cut price, I think, or something like that. Um, there's also, obviously, we've got Nkuku coming in in the summer. Mm. That hasn't been confirmed 100% yet, but he's not, from what I've read, he's not on out-and-out number nine. Yep. And now there's talks of us getting Osserman from Napoli. Um, he's not covered. Obviously, we're going to be licked. Yeah, I think he'll go to uh, maybe uh, La Liga or even United if they're desperate for a number nine. But um, there are talks of us, um, rumours um, of number nines, but I just can't ever see Lukaku in a Chelsea shirt. And if he does come back to Chelsea, the only job I'd give him is to scrub the boots of the reserve <laughs> players. And that's it. I, don't I wouldn't even trust him with that. I, I wouldn't said, even trust him. We said that in the, in, on WhatsApp. I said I wouldn't even trust him with that. I think he probably missed the boots and start cleaning something else. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, in terms of business, I think there's no way Todd Bowley's going to allow him to go... Um, for you know, cut price at all. I, I just don't see that happening. I think I, we've spoke about it on here. I think on the last episode, I think he's got a relationship or he's got the trust of Todd Bowley to the extent where I think Todd Bowley's willing to give him the opportunity back at the club. Um, how that goes down with the fans and with you know everyone else around the club is a second conversation. But I think he's got the. I think the doors open for Lukaku. I really do. Um, and, and yeah, depending on how the fans take him as well. You know, the fans are very. The, unfortunately we've got a very toxic fan base at the moment um, with everything that's going on in and around the club and also with Mason Mount who I've done a video about earlier this week um, got a bit of backlash around that as well but what's your thoughts on Mason Mount in, not in terms of should he play shouldn't he play but just in terms of 
and this goes for any player, let's just I mean, put that as in a disclaimer, not just about Mason Mount, but in terms of the abuse that some of these players are getting, and at the moment it is unfortunately Mason Mount that's getting that. But what's your thoughts on some of the things that we're seeing about Mason Mount on, online? Well, I think it's, it's disgusting. It's really disgusting. I think it's one thing as a fan, you can say he deserves to be dropped. Um, I want to see him, you know, on the bench for the next game. That is completely understandable. And I think both of us have said that for the last few games, that he, just, he needs to be dropped because his performances haven't quite matched the level that we'd expect from him. And some time on the bench might give him some time to reflect on his performances and then hopefully come back stronger. But, um, but I think fans commenting on his posts, sending him messages, tagging him in tweets, um, DMing him with hate and abuse. That's disgusting. It's just terrible. And I don't think any person who does that to supposedly a player of the team they support deserves to be called a fan or a supporter of the club. Because as supporters of the club, you you support your players, you know, during periods they're playing, they're not playing well, or during, even at the times they have played well. And let's remember, since Mouse broke into the Chelsea first team, he's been one of our best players. Mm. He was brilliant under Lampard. He was twice our player of the season and under Thomas Tuchel. And then all of a sudden now he's having a bit of a poor patch. It almost seems like we've just completely forgotten about the past. And we're happy to point the finger to him and say, you know, you're our scapegoat at the moment. You're, you're the player that's been the worst at the moment. I even see some people that aren't even willing to wanting to call him by his name, but just his squad number. I think I saw a tweet saying like, um, yeah, number 19 and number 23 and should never be seen again at Chelsea or something like this. Like, who, who are you to write this? You know, it's... I just find it terrible. And, and then you do wonder if this plays in his mind. I do know, these players do read their messages. They really do read their messages. And proof of that is a lot of these players, when we tag them in our Instagram stories, they go and they, they look at the stories. Mm. I'm sure they read their DMs. I'm sure they read the tweets, their replies to tweets. And then as soon as you know that it's gone a step too far is when you start um, disabling comments on their posts. So we saw that with Kepa. I think Cucurella might have done the same. Um, and that's when you just know it's gone way too far. And I would never in a million years send hate towards a player. I'll always, I'll maybe I'll criticize a player when he's playing poorly or ask for him to be dropped. But sending abuse like Mount's been getting lately is just one step way too far. And those doing that aren't proper Chelsea fans, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I I back up everything you said. You know, I'm I'm the first one to sit on this podcast and moan about someone's performances and you know call someone out when I feel like they're not doing what they should be for the team or for the badge. But that's where I draw the line. You know, you've never seen me racially abuse anyone or you know call for 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 some of the things I'm seeing about Mason Mount, and I just don't know how. And this goes back to what I've said on other podcasts as well. That to have social media, there should be some relegate uh, you should be able to regulate it a bit better and be able to maybe have to give a form of ID or something um, so that if anything like this does happen then we know who you are because a lot of these people they hide behind you know a, a profile picture that isn't them or they don't have a profile picture and they're just they're, they're just trolls but I've always said I don't think I could have social media in this day and age if I was you know I mean I think I checked Mason Mouse got 5 million Instagram followers and that isn't the only hate. I mean, I don't, you must be talking, mean, I'm sure you've seen the, the sort of message that was put over online this week, but that won't be the only one. You know, if you've got 5 million followers, let's just say he's got 500 of those similar messages in his inbox. You know, maybe more. You could have a thousand of them. And, you know, I, I just couldn't have social media. I just wouldn't have it. And I know some of them have to have it for, you know, um, sponsorship deals and, 
you know, it's part of almost a, a marketing side of the, the the game now is that you have to be seen as a, a brand, you know, you have to be doing all these things, but I just couldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. You know, if, you know, imagine someone's talking about your family or they're talking about just something that's personal to you because you haven't done well on the pitch. Um, that's where I said on the video, you know, there's a thin line between criticism and abuse, uh, whether that's racial abuse or just whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But it, that's the line, you know, there's a line there and you just don't, you don't step over it, in my opinion, with anything, not even away from football, you know, you just don't do that. So, um, it's social media's got a lot to ask for and it's a, it's a crazy place. You know, you go on there sometimes and some of the things I see, I just think we need, it needs to be, there needs to be some form of, um, like I said, you know, ID has to be submitted. It has to then be verified that you are actually this person, um, I don't know how it would work, but and this is why I'm all in favour of the, the the payment thing that Twitter are doing because it will weed out some of these idiots who don't want to pay because eventually they'll restrict those people from even being able to use the platform. Um, but in terms of digressing slightly, but in terms of Mason Ma at the moment or any football, I think it's just disgusting. And you know we're all able; and we should all be able to criticise a player. We should be able to do that. But when it turns into sort of this weird cyber bullying or whatever you want to call it, it's just, it's ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think a lot of these people, these trolls or keyboard warriors, they forget that these footballers are, they're human beings. They've got thoughts, they've got feelings, they've got emotions. And for them, I think they just think sending this abuse is maybe the cool thing to do on these platforms or kind of what's the, what's right for them. But they're just brain dead. These people absolutely brain dead. And it's like you said, it's, it's racist. It's, um, it's illegal in my opinion, because this abuse sometimes is, it takes it a step too far. And I social media, the big platforms, the Instagrams, the metas, the Facebooks, the Twitters, they need to do more to verify who's creating an account. Like you said, scan IDs, um, even give your passport number if that's what's needed. I don't know your ID number, something like that, or face recognition, um, but yes, it needs to go too far because the amount of times I've, uh, I've reported people for terrible tweets, absolutely disgusting tweets. Um, and Twitter comes back to me saying, we saw nothing wrong with this tweet. And they're part of the problem. <laughs> Let's be honest. They are part of the problem. You know, they allow so much to happen on their platforms they are, yeah. and they don't really, you know, I mean, we're not, I mean, if we were to play music now, we were to play something off, I don't know, like a Chelsea channel, our video would get taken down straight away. Get taken down. Yeah. Uh, in terms of abuse or whatever, it's allowed to stay up there, which is, you know, it all comes down to these big companies and what do they actually want people to see on their profiles. So, you know, there's a lot that the companies need to do as well, but I think at the same time, you know, we can blame the companies, but we've got to remember who's posting those those tweets in the first place as well, and they have to mm -hmm. take the, the brunt of the blame um, and, and to be made an example out of, in my opinion. But um, I do want to ask you, actually, I know we said we weren't going to talk about bench or not to be benched, but I do feel this is a game that Mason Mount for tomorrow's game against West Ham, he should sit out of more so just mentally um, as opposed to, you know, his game time or whatever, but maybe just mentally kick game out of the limelight a little bit. What, what do you think? We've done the same with Kepa. Yeah, no, I think it's the perfect game for him to maybe sit out, maybe start on the bench, come in with 20 minutes to go and try to have an impact on it. But also I think it's more because there's players out there that are more informed. I'd like to see Jao Felix start ahead of him and we'll get to our predicted lineups later, but I don't think um, Mal should be in the starting 11 tomorrow at 12.30 now. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's let's before we do that, let's talk about the Brazilian Rolls Royce that is Thiago Silva. Uh, new deal is pretty much all but sealed and signed and ready to be announced. But this has got to be probably arguably one of our best signings. As much as we spent all the money, this one really is the one that we really needed to get done. Um, give us your thoughts on Thiago Silva signing a new deal um, at the club for another year. Yeah, signing of the year so far for us, in my opinion. Um, we'll probably say in a bit that we need to you know, manage his minutes. He can't play every single game. But this time next year, we're going to say uh, we need to play silver. Next week, we need to play silver. And we expect him to start every game because he's the Benjamin Button of football year. He's only getting better, in my opinion. And we've, we've lost Jorginho now, um, who was our vice captain. Uh, Aspilicueta doesn't particularly start every game now. Who's going to be our captain now? He's been in London for three years. I'd hope his English is better to maybe give give some instructions and orders to the players around him. But for me, he's our, he's our captain for next season. He signed a one-year deal. His kids are in English schools. His wife absolutely adores London and the club. Uh, social media activity would just tell you that. Uh, I think it's a brilliant signing. And it's crazy to think he's only been at Chelsea for two and a half years. But he's been almost been compared at times to you know, the likes of John Terry, Frank Lampard, and those other Chelsea legends. So he's really become a fan favourite so quickly. And it's a brilliant signing. And it always gives me a bit of hope when I see Silva in the lineup. He saw his, his performance at Anfield, how big it was again against Fulham and Crystal Palace. It's just colossal. And um, players like Badia Shield, Wesley Fofana will learn so much playing alongside him as well next season. So I'm really buzzing for this contract extension. I don't want to see him at another club at all. Um, I think he's someone that just offers too much. So to, to allow him to go on a free as well would be stupid. Um, which I think he, I think personally, I think he'll end up retiring at Chelsea and potentially taking on a coaching coaching job after that. I think he's, like you said, he's settled. You know, he's settled at the club. So I think he's um, he's happy. You know, and we've got to just hopefully manage his time so that he doesn't get injured. Because I think if we lose him, <laughs> we've got to bring in Kulabali. Um, Maybe he will in you know, next season, but I think we've got to keep Thiago Silva fresh. Um, especially if we, I mean, let's say we do get into the Champions League somehow, we've got to keep him fresh, in my opinion. Definitely, yeah. And um, I think I even read that he's doing his coaching badges with the Brazilian Federation right now. So I think that he has a future as a coach, a footballing coach. And he just mentioned Koulibaly. Um, I've been reading that he's been really unsettled at Chelsea. I think he's, he moved into Jorginho's old home and now Jorginho's gone, you know, he's not at the club anymore. Um, so I think it just shows how quickly Silva settled in at Chelsea, whereas Koulibaly's come in and it's been the complete opposite. Um, but yeah, um, we've all we've gone, we've given Silva so much praise on this podcast, and it's well deserved, in my opinion. I agree, hundred percent. But um, yeah, let's move, let's move on to tomorrow's game. An early kickoff. I'm sure we played West Ham early last time as well. I'm sure it was an early kickoff uh, when Mendy made the howler at the end of the game. Um, it was a good game from that was a Mason Mount goal. I think that was that game as well where he gave us that brilliant goal. Um, but what's your thoughts going into, we say it every week, but a must-win game against West Ham? Well, I think despite West Ham's really poor form this season, they still got some quality in that team. They've still got quality and I, I'm expecting it to be a really tough game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it finishes a draw like our last two games and the two nil-nils against Fulham and Liverpool. You look at that West Ham lineup. there's players that can, that, that are good. You know, Michael Antonio, Jared Bowen, Lucas Paqueta, um, who they signed from Lyon in the summer. Um, I think it's going to be a, tr a very tricky game. Always traveling to, to West Ham away. The London Stadium's never an easy fixture, in my opinion. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's going to be, I think the thing that's going to be a bit of a boost is the return of Jao Felix. I think we haven't seen him in the last three games and the, you know, the 50 or 60 minutes that he did play against Fulham was some of the, was the most exciting attacking football that we've seen, um, you know, since the early, the earlier weeks of um, Chelsea this season. So I think him having him back into the, the line, the, the lineup will be a huge boost for us. Um, so yeah, I've got my lineup on screen now. Um, obviously I've gone for the same back four that started against, um, against Fulham last Friday. Um, I've stuck with Cucurella simply because um, I think we need to give Chilwell a bit more rest and a bit more time to recover. And I was at the game, so I didn't properly see it, but I did see a couple people mention that he was kind of limping around the pitch at times. So I think we need to definitely manage Chilwell's minutes and make sure that his recovery process isn't, you know, rushed back. Um, if not, he'll just end up get, having the same recurring injury. Fernandez, obviously in midfield, I thought he was really good against Fulham. He looked really comfortable on the ball. He, like I said, I almost forgot that he was 22 years old because it felt like he'd been playing in the Premier League for five, six years. So really um, promising debut and I'm looking forward to watching him again uh, tomorrow. I've got to have lost his cheek next to him. I think that was the same prediction I made for the Fulham game. I think I just want to have that bit of experience alongside him. And um, obviously Kovacic, he's back in training, but I still think he's slightly unfit. So I've gone with Loftus-Cheek. But I think I wouldn't mind if it's Carney as well. I think Loftus-Cheek or Carney could be, you know, I could pick um, the name out of the hat because those two players for me could do the job. I think this is where it gets exciting. I think my my, my front four or my front, my, my, my three kind of playing behind the striker, Mudrick, Felix and Sterling. Now on paper, I think that's quite exciting. And I think that there's plenty of quality, plenty of pace as well in that, that front three. And hopefully goals as well. We spoke about not having a lot of goals this season, but I think Felix Sterling and Mudrick, if they find their shooting boots, they'll get you goals. They will get you goals. And, you know, Jao Felix as well. I think um, he's been saying how much he enjoys Chelsea, the training facility, his teammates. And I think uh, this will be the game now where he's, he's probably been really frustrated not to, to have played a part in the last three, but now he's probably raring to go. Return of Sterling as well. He got, he got I think, 15, 20 minutes against Fulham. I think it makes sense to play him. And I've gone with Havertz as my striker. Not entirely enthusiastic about this decision, but I still think maybe Fafana's still a bit raw. Um, he had that chance against Fulham. I think if he's two, two seasons maybe into the Premier League, he's scoring that chance, but you could tell he was still a bit nervous. But yeah, I've gone with Havertz as my striker. They've got big centre-backs for him. West Ham and I think you maybe need a bit of aerial ability which sometimes habits can offer you on set pieces I like this I like the lineup I think the lineup um yeah, I mean, my, I suppose my only worry is 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 Cucurell, who um, you'll see in a minute. I've actually gone for as well, but I think bringing Ben Chilwell into a game like this would be very much like Reese James. I actually don't want to see Reese James play the full ninety minutes tomorrow if, if possible. Um, you want to try and start with that flair, with that pace down that right side and, you know, hope you get a 1-0, a 2-0 leading into that maybe 60-minute mark into the game where you can bring off Reese James. You know, we haven't even spoken about Dortmund yet, but that's a game that, you know, next week is going to be crucial for us going away, getting those uh, results first you know, in Germany. So I think for me, brilliant lineup. My, my, my worry with, with this is, is Havertz, as always I say on here, you know, I do feel that sometimes he does need that, you know, 10 chances to get a goal, um, I, I think strength in terms of strength I think he'll get muscled off the ball so easily and we've seen it so many times over the last couple of games where you know he's in the right positions or he's got the ball and he's just I don't know if he's just 
he's not doing weights in the gym I don't know but he just seems to be very light on his feet and that's a, that's a worry for me um, but I like the, the flair I like the flair down the right side and the left you know Kukureo. Um I mean last week it didn't work with Mudrick and, and, and Kukureo. and obviously we found out that Mudrick had a, uh, a cold or he wasn't well but he did leave Kukureo isolated at times and um that's probably why Kukure was playing so poor as well uh, in that game. But I think you've got to stick with Madrid. You've got to stick with uh, Zhao Felix, who obviously is on a loan deal. Um, so we have to play him. It's not even a, is he on the bench? He's not. He, he has to start. You know, we've only got him potentially for six months. So I think it'd be silly not to play him. But um, my, my team isn't very different to yours, to be fair. I think I've kind of gone for something very similar. Um, I have gone, again, with Kepa and goal. Uh, same back four as you. I actually changed my mind last night. Um, I think I had Carney Chukomeka alongside Fernandez. But when you think about these kind of games now, you want a bit more experience. And, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek is someone who will be able to give you that alongside someone like Fernandez, who's just coming into the league, who I thought played really well um, against Fulham, but maybe just needs someone alongside him. Or I think in that game, it was more uh, Mount and Gallagher were just ahead of him um, in the team. But I think from what I'm hearing, from what I've checked out online this morning, it could be Conor Gallagher next to Fernandez, which would worry me a lot um, going into that game against West Ham. You just mentioned some of the key players that they've got at West Ham. And I think if we play Conor Gallagher there, it's again, it's leaving Fernandez heavily exposed in that midfield. Um, so I'd go with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, similar to you, I've gone for Mudrick, Felix and uh, Raheem Sterling as, as the, uh, the the free behind the striker. But I have gone for Fafana as my my one leading down the middle. I think he's got to be given a chance, especially if Aubameyang is on the way out of the club as well. Um, as we both mentioned, you know, I think Mason Mount should sit this game out more so because I think he's been in the limelight and he is the scapegoat at the moment. But I do think it gives us the opportunity to, to see what can happen uh, with the three of Sterling, Felix and Mudrick. Sterling obviously tends to like, likes to uh, predominantly play on the left side, but I think if we can play him on the right side with Reese James as well, I think that's where we're going to get that sort of balls into the box to Fafana. Um, and similar down the left side, I think, you know, Mudrick and Kukurea can do a job there. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Felix because, you know, we only got to see a, almost a cameo against Fulham at Craven Cottage before he got sent off. And I think he's got a massive role to play in the next couple of months for us. I think he's he's so, he, he's got so many qualities, but we just haven't been, obviously, been able to see them yet. So I'm expecting a good performance tomorrow. I really am. And, um, you know, Paddy Shield we haven't mentioned, but you know, to keep to keep his place in the team is is key. I think that partnership with Silva is going to be so crucial, not just for this game, but potentially for the next you know three or four months of the season. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, Kovacic is coming back. That's a big sign for us as well. Um, and Golo Kante, I think, is back in training now. And obviously Ben Chilwell. So there's a lot of options that we're going to have over the next Dennis couple Zachariah of weeks um, that we Wesley haven't Fafana, had. I think well. are back on the grass now as well. Yep, and another another two. So I, I think the question I suppose I'm building up to is, is this a time now where Graham Potter, <laughs> not, his job's not on the line, I don't want to say that, but if we lose tomorrow, I mean, there's going to be question marks because there, there is going to be, have to be question marks. I mean, West Ham, bottom of the, well, almost bottom of the league, they're chasing points. They, you know, Everton have got a new new manager now, so they'll be you know, climbing up the table, you'd like to think. But... If, if West Ham beat us tomorrow, this is, you know, they had, the clock has started to tick, I think, for, for Graham Potter in terms of getting things right on the pitch and he's going to have time. But 
surely this is a game that he has to go in with the quality that we've just put on the, on the screen. Yeah, I think the clock started ticking as soon as the, the hit midnight on deadline day. Um, you know, he got all those big signings he wanted, <laughs> yep. um, the club wanted. Um, we spent God knows how much for our January. We, we went through those lineups we just had on screen there. There's a lot of quality in those two 11s. And it almost feels like there's no excuses now to drop points against West Ham. Sure, it's a London derby. Sure, it's away from home. There'll be nerves. There'll be pressure. But you now there's no excuses. We've got quality. We've got experience. We've got 100 million pound players. You feel like if we can't be West Ham, like you said, they don't have a new manager like Everton. It's the same David Moyes that has been trying to drag them out of the relegation battle they don't have that new manager ba- um, bounce that um, Everton and Sean Dyche have I think there's no excuses for tomorrow there really is there's mm. no excuses and we've got options off the bench you know we've got to remember that we've got some really good options now um, so for me this has to be a, a really convincing performance if it's got to be dirty and scrappy and we've got to you know yeah, we've got to do it but I think we've got to show the intention straight away because I think if you remember the game last season we allowed West Ham to come back into the game in spells we had really good spells I think in the second half if I remember correctly um, or if it was Mendy I think that really let us down in that game you know just the concentration for the for the pen, penalty and also for the goal at the end as well um, more so his position and I think for that final goal yeah, uh, it was, um, last season 12-30 um, kickoff but, I remember early December yeah, um, it was Mendy yeah. Howler for yeah. of course. He tried to dribble past Bowen, I think it was, gave away a penalty. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, let that was Masuaku. It. That was it. It was, not a, it was not a shot, it was a cross, and it crept in. Yeah, it was a cross, but it was just, it was just one of those lucky ones, wasn't it? That went in the back of the net. But we've got to get three points. I mean, we, I'm, I'm still convinced the season's a write off, but. We still want to be finishing as high as the table as possible, and, and and these are the games that we have to win. We have to beat beat these games. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be a win. I'm going to ask you a prediction before we wrap up, so I'm going to let you go first. As always, um, going into this game, the liners we've just put on the screens. Surely it's a win. Tomorrow. I'm going to. I know that we've really lacked goals in the last couple of games, all season, in fact. But I think tomorrow is going to be a bit of a goal fest for both teams. West Ham won this fixture last season 3-2 but I think Chelsea will win it tomorrow 3-2 so I'm going for Chelsea 3 West Ham 2 yeah, I'm going to stick with my usual I'm sorry I'm going to have to do 2-1 um, I always think we've got issues in our defence our build up play at times and we, we do lose possession of the ball I think West Ham are going to be really um, good from set pieces tomorrow I think you mentioned some of the names and you know the height they have in their team in terms of corners and free kicks and I think they'll score um, possibly from a set piece um, that's going to be their danger I think trying to get the ball into the box as much as they can but I think we've got I think we've got everything in that team to, to get at least two goals and the three points um, the other thing I haven't spoken about which I was going to talk about is I reckon Graham Potter might revert back to a back back five he might we're getting a lot of players back from injuries um, uh, Dortmund in mind on we- next Wednesday yeah. There might be some change in formation, yeah. some rotation. You mentioned Hall before making a decision with Cucurella. I think it could be a chance for him maybe to feature a left wing back. Um, or if you're at back three, maybe Koulibaly could come back in alongside Silva and Badiashil. You never know, but I think it's definitely a, an option, yeah. And I wouldn't be against it either. I think he gives us a bit more options down those, those flanks as well. But um, yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. You're going to go 3-2, reverse the fixture from December. Um, hopefully, you know, Kepa doesn't make the same mistakes as Mendy. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going. I'm going to go with my, my my prediction as always, and 
Um, one of us hopefully is right. We haven't been right all season, so <laughs> one of us has got to get it sooner or enough. Um, but Theo, as always, thank you very much. The throw possession on a Friday, as we do. Um, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, as always, and looking forward to the game tomorrow now. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And anyone who's listening, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that Linktree link in the description. It will take you to all the social accounts, the podcast episodes. Make sure you smash subscribe as well. We're stuck on 332 for a while in terms of subscribers, so we let's try and get at least 350 by the end of the month. Let's start off small and aim bigger later on, but let's try and get to 350 subs by the end of the month. Um, and... We appreciate everyone that is watching these videos and leaving the comments as well. Make sure you continue to do that. Let's hope for three points tomorrow. We're going to do a Dortmund preview early next week. I know for you, we'll have to do it really early because obviously you're going to the game. So um, we'll have to try and squeeze one in before you uh, depart for your travels to Germany. This has been episode 81 from The Shed End. Until next time, thank you very much for watching and we'll be back soon next week.